Go ahead and have a seat. Great to see you again. Uh, nothing fires me up like baptisms, and I mean nothing. And uh, one, of my, one of my prayers, I'm praying that sometime soon we'll see an entire family, like four or five or five or six, like, like mom, dad, kids, like the entire family being baptized um, together. Not all at once because the tank's not big enough, but, but one right after another. Don't you think that'd be cool? I'm kind of praying for that. Uh, you might be here right now. You might be sitting there thinking he, he, he could be talking about us. Any Sunday you want to do it, just let us know. And uh, we would love to baptize you. Um, great to see that. Uh, oh, by the way, thanks for singing happy birthday to me. <clears throat> I might have been taking off wet baptism clothes while you were, but you didn't need that. Anyhow, anyhow. That's where I was. I was back there in the room, and I heard them singing happy birthday. I'm like, who are they singing that? Oh, yeah, they're singing that to me. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I was glad to hear um, uh, Pastor Dale bring Mike Tapper back up on the stage. And uh, did Christy and the kids get in last night? Do we know? They're on their way. So anyhow, just want to say when, when Mike's wife, Christy, and the kids get here, Make sure that you hug on them and love on them and make them feel uh, more welcome than anyone ever in the history of Christendom. Just just really go after them and uh, make them uh, aware of how glad you are that they're here. Uh, we've got more baptisms today, not here, but down at Beulah Camp. And uh, I'm right after this, I'm going to preach and run. And right after that, I'm going to drive straight down to Beulah and do some more baptisms in the river. So there's more of your church family that are stepping into the water. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, God is doing great things in our church, honestly. God is doing great things. And lives are being changed, and uh, it's, it's really exciting. <clears throat> great days. So just a quick word about, about Beulah, uh, the annual quick word about Beulah, because that's a strange word, and you might hear it and think, I have no idea what you are talking about. Um, Beulah Camp and Caton's Island are the camping ministry of the Wesleyan Church in Atlantic Canada and Maine. And they're on the St. John River uh, between Gagetown and St. John, between Gagetown and Grand Bay in that, in that area. And uh, you can Google them this afternoon. Both have great websites. You can look and see pictures of uh, Beulah Camp and Caton's. Uh, beautiful area. Beulah proper, that area has around 300 cottages. And then it's got trailer sites, and when, when, when the camp is on, it was this past week, it ends this afternoon. When camp's on, there's probably a couple of thousand people, you know, in that little area. And uh, it's got the big tabernacle that's well over 100 years old, where they, they have their services in the tabernacle. So it's camp meeting, you know. It's, 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 it's really kind of neat, kind of special. Uh, it takes about an hour and 45 minutes to get there from here. And if you want to go next year, call now and say, you know, how do, I, how do I get to stay there? Can I get a trailer site? What do I need to do to get there? Because during camp, there's stuff for teens and there's stuff for kids, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And then Caton's Island is where we run our summer camps for boys, girls, adventure camps, youth camps. You know, all the, all the summer camps run on Caton's Island. So that's, it's, it's, a, it's an island that we own in the middle of the St. John River. It's gorgeous. Uh, so that's that. Um, or next year you could plan ahead and just say, hey, well, let's drive down for, let's drive down for the day and, and take in a service and then come home, uh, come home at night. So that fantastic week at Beulah had no power Saturday, Sunday, Monday until Monday night. 
the power came back on. I know that some people in New Brunswick still don't have power. Uh, but uh, even without power, uh, it's, it's, it's been a power-filled camp uh, at Beulah. Uh, the spiritual temperature was really, really high. Everyone's just saying, wow, isn't this, hasn't this been a great week? And it really has been a great week. Okay, so that's it. Beulah Camp, Caton's Island. I won't say anything about it till next year. Uh, maybe next year I'll say something about it, like in May, when you can actually prepare to go. That would be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Why are you telling us now? It ends today. Thanks a lot, Pastor. Um, we're in a series called Flip Flops. I might be wearing my flip flops. I got a, I got a really good flip flop tan from Israel. And uh, you, that might be more information than you really want right now. Um, which one is flip and which one is flop? Does anybody know? Does, does it right is flip? Right one is flip. The left one is flop. Okay, good, good. I, that's good to know. Uh, just a little, so, see, you learn so much when you go to church, right? Now, if you go to work tomorrow and someone says church, right, what did you learn? And you say, well, the right, the right shoe is the flip and the left one is the flop. Hopefully you'll learn more than that this morning. Uh, just a little summer fun while we walk with the prophet Isaiah. We're just going to walk through that book for the summer. And Thursday morning at Beulah Camp, uh, Brent Ingersoll preached his face off. A friend of mine, good friend of mine, Brent pastors uh, Kings Valley Wesleyan and Quispam Sis. If you know anyone within, within an hour of Quispam Sis, you need to tell them to go to Kings Valley Wesleyan Church. Uh, probably the fastest growing church of any kind in Atlanta, Canada right now. And, and the lead pastor is on fire. And he preached uh, Thursday morning. And um, he preached from our text that, that we're, we were scheduled to use for this Sunday. So when he announced Isaiah chapter 6, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes like a, like a wild man on this thing. They go, load me up for Sunday, brother. I love it. And uh, so just telling you in advance that I... I'd be crazy not to adopt some of Brent's thoughts from Thursday morning. I'm not going to re-preach his message, but, but certainly uh, thankful for the, uh, some of the stuff that he shared. Uh, we really need God's help here this morning. I really need God's help here this morning. I felt God stirring in me all week about, about what we're about to get into here this morning. God's been, been stirring in me, and uh, I hear something, I see something. I'm expecting something. And so uh, if you're listening for God's voice this morning, would you just, just open up the palms of your hands while we pray together before I preach? Jesus, I just feel like I, I don't even dare um, step into this message without, without coming to you and, and acknowledging who you are and asking you for help. And asking you to, to guide my steps as a pastor, to, to guide us through this message, to help us to hear you clearly, to help us to see you clearer than ever before. Uh, for us as a congregation, to just simply say, uh, come Holy Spirit and, and speak to us. We're listening here this morning. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's get right into the text. It's Isaiah chapter 6, going to read the first eight verses. If you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, we have them at the guest center. You can pick them up. They're free. Verse, uh, chapter 6 of Isaiah, verse 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. 
With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Here I am. Send me. I've, I've been, uh, I just got to tell you this. I got to be totally transparent. I don't have anything to hide anyhow. But I've been emotional all week. I've been just, just right, just, I don't, just like, God, what are you doing? Like, why? Is it my birthday? Is that it? Am I getting old? Like, what's the, no, I don't usually worry about my birthdays. Who cares, right? But, but this has just been, oh, just so uh, stirring in me all week. And I've just been wondering, like, God, what are you going to do at Moncton Wesleyan uh, this morning? How are you going to use uh, this, this message this morning? So here we go. We need a fresh vision of God. We need to see God clearer than we have ever seen God before. We need to see Jesus like we've never seen Jesus before. Whatever you know uh, about God, whatever you know to be true about God up to this point right now, that, that, that God would take you from where you are right now, that, that this morning he, God would take you into a new place with him, that you would go deeper into the presence of God than you have ever gone before. Further into his presence, further into his holiness, closer to who he really is than you have ever been before. That's going to be different for every single person who's here in this room. Some of you have been church since you were born. It's kind of like me with Beulah Camp. Um, when I was born, my parents took me to Beulah, and I've, I don't, I've only missed two out of the 45 years that I've been alive. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm just, that, that is, those are my stomping grounds, and you know, all that. Well, some of you have been in church since you were born, and, and you've been a, a Christian for as long as you can remember. Uh, we were backstage with Jade when she was getting baptized at seven, and Tasha Dunn was helping me backstage this morning, and Tasha looked at Jade, she said, I was baptized at seven, and I totally remember what I was doing, and I'll never forget my baptism with Jesus. So there's Tasha and her whole life that she's, since she was seven, she's been walking with Jesus. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for decades. Some of you, this is all brand new. Some of you, you, you went to church to Sunday school when you were a kid because your parents made you or they bribed you or they dragged you or whatever and you haven't been back since. Some of you, this is totally brand new. So it's different for every person in the room this morning. But wherever you 
are that God would take you further this morning, that God would draw you closer this morning, that God would show you clearer than ever this morning who he really is, that you would have a fresh encounter with, with the living God this morning from wherever, whatever, wherever you are. Isaiah got a vision of the Lord. You need to have a vision of who God is. How is he speaking to you? How is God revealing himself in your life? Isaiah puts it in, in, in perfect historical context. There are no um, really reliable um, archaeologists and historians who, who, would, who would debate this. He, Isaiah says it was when the king Uzziah died. It was in the year 736 B.C. We know exactly when that was, when, he, when Isaiah saw the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, do you know, do you remember an exact time and place when you first saw the Lord? Where were you when, when God, when God uh, came into your life? When, the, when whatever, the blinders came off, the lights went on, however you want to, you cross that line of faith. Where were you when you first believed in Jesus Christ was the Son of God? You said, yes, come into my life. Where were you? What was the date and the time when you accepted Jesus Christ. What's your story? What is your testimony? Like I said, for some of you, it was 60 or 70 years ago or more. Others, it might be six months ago. Some of you, it might be six weeks ago. For some of you, it might be today. It might be July 13th, Pastor Tim's birthday. That's a great day. That's a great day to, uh, to come to Jesus Christ. 2014, when your eyes were open and you saw Jesus to be, to be real in your life, for the very first time. And like Isaiah, you need to be able to tell people about your encounter with God. Where were you when God spoke to you? When God called your name? When God poured out his love and his mercy and his forgiveness on your life? You need to be clear about that. Someone asked you for, to give a reason for the hope that is inside of you. You need to be able to say, this is, this is who I was. This is what happened to me. God came into my life. I remember it clearly, and this is what God has done in my life ever since. You need to be able to do that. Isaiah 6 um, actually reads more like it should be the introduction of the book, um, and we don't know why he waits until chapter 6 to tell us what he tells us. It sounds like that would be a good way to start the book. I'm not going to argue with Isaiah, um, so we're not sure, but either way, he saved it for chapter 6, and here we are. And in this particular encounter with God, uh, God was so real and, and so life-changing. God does something to Isaiah in this encounter that is just so over-the-top incredible that it changed the entire course of his life. It's like this was Isaiah before he has this encounter, and then he has this encounter, this vision with God, and then, and then look at the man's life afterwards, and he, and he is never the same. And we should never be the same after we have an encounter with the living God. You should never be the same. It should change you. If you have an encounter with Jesus Christ like I'm praying for this morning, you need to write that down. You need to, you need to, 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 to make a, a, a stake in the ground or, or some kind of something that reminds you that, man, it was July 13th, 2014, and God blew me away, and I will never, ever be the same again. And see what God does in your life. So Isaiah spent the rest of his life 
serving God and inviting others to follow God because he had an undeniable experience with the living God. You need to experience God on such a level that nothing will ever shake you. Nothing will ever take it away. That no matter what life throws at you, you'll be able to go back to a time and a place where you you experienced Jesus Christ. It was just so unmistakable that nothing could ever take that away from you. Nothing will cause you to back down or turn around or stumble or give up or feel defeated. Something that burns so bright and so strong in your spirit that like Isaiah, you spend the rest of your life, you willingly give the rest of your life to, to serving God any way that he wants you to serve. Verse 1. That was all introduction. We're going to be here till 2 o'clock. <laughs> Actually... You might be here. I don't know what God's going to do. You might be here all day. I don't know. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It was in the year the king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, circle, bold, highlight, highlight, lofty, lofty. Where was he sitting? On a lofty throne. God help us. For the times that we have lowered you to our level. For the times that we've had a low view of God. We limit what we think God can do. We don't always live by his word. We don't listen for his voice often enough. We engage with the foolishness of this world. As though God is dumb, blind, or absent. We lack faith. We lack holiness. We're more comfortable with an average God, a buddy God, a good luck God, than we are with a holy God who is worthy of every ounce of of substance that we have. Isaiah said, I saw him. I saw the king. He, He was high. He was lofty. If we could see how truly awesome God is, we would drop to our faces right now. You'd never be late for church again. (laughs) Really? Really? Think about it. He's like, oh, he's going to get on a little tangent here right now. If you thought that at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, you were going to have a personal encounter with the God of the universe, would you be late for that appointment? Answer the question, please, someone. (laughs) okay one person but there will be an invitation after the service no 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 you wouldn't you'd think come on let's get there you'd be lined up out the doors waiting waiting for us to unlock the doors you'd never you'd never hesitate about tithing again You wouldn't dabble in sin and put off spiritual disciplines. We'd have a a greater urgency for the things of God. We'd be more compassionate towards others and more passionate about others coming to Jesus Christ. We'd be more bold in inviting others to, to see Jesus for themselves. If we could get a glimpse of the holiness of God, we would all take off our flip flops and we would fall on our faces before him and worship him. 
There's a song that comes to mind. I learned it in Sunday school when I was a child. And it says, my God is so big. And he's so strong and he's so mighty. That there's nothing. There's nothing my God cannot do. When God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, Abraham fell face down on the ground. When God appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, Moses took off his flip-flops because he was standing on holy ground and he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. When Daniel wrote about his visions from God and the ways that God was, was, was revealing his awesomeness and his holiness to, to, to Daniel, Daniel tried to describe for us as best as he could, trying to find the words to, to, to just show us how how awesome this God truly is. And he he writes with this majestic reverence for a victorious king who is worthy of all our praise. Why? Why does proximity with God affect people's posture? Why does proximity with God make, make people feel like, Boom, I gotta fall on my face. Boom, I gotta get my shoes off. I can't, I can't, I don't even dare to, to, to look his way. Why does proximity with God knock people down like they play for the Maple Leafs? The more I am aware of God's holiness, the more aware I am of my humanity. We realize I'm not worthy more aware I am of of my selfishness. And I see God for for who He really is, and at the same time, I see myself for who I really am. I see His perfection, and I see my imperfection. I see His love and His understanding, and I see my busyness and my impatience. I see His, His grace that is indiscriminate, And I see the way that I judge others, the way that I treat others. I see his sacrifice. I see my selfishness, my commercialism, my stuff. (laughs) I think it's all nonsense. I see his long suffering and I see my pettiness. I see his care for the least of these. And I see my concern over my own needs. I see that he is real and I, and I buckle under the, the times that I have doubted him. The times when I've struggled with, with unbelief. Verse 2. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they flew. God doesn't need bodyguards. But he shows up with these giant six-winged angels. And I'm, I'm writing this and I'm trying to picture these, these, these dudes, these angel dudes or dudettes. And Isaiah said that these angels were big enough and their voices were thunderous enough that, that their voices shook the very foundation of the temple. And filled it with smoke. Reason enough for loud bass and smoke machines on Sunday mornings, I think. Now, the seraphs, the angels, are from God. They live with God. They traveled with God. They know God. It's not like 
you know, they just met up on the way to Isaiah's vision and God, you know, was, was traveling and said, oh, hey, hey, um, I got this gig in Israel. Do you guys want to come with me? Like they were, they were already in God's, God's posse. They didn't come from 1-800-Brendan-Angel. They've done this deal before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Isaiah says that these giant, booming angels had such reverence and awe for God that with two of their wings, they hid their faces. And with two of their wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And all they could say, all these angels could say as they're flying around the room, is holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Have you ever been so taken by God's presence that all you could utter were words of worship over and over again. You just, you just, you just found a word, and it was the only word, and you just, you just couldn't. You just kept saying that same word over and over again. Maybe it was thank you. Maybe it was just you know, God, I love you. God, you're awesome. Just thank you. These angels are flying, and they're just saying, "Holy, He's holy. Holy is the Lord." God, Almighty, verse 5, I love Isaiah's response where he says, I'm doomed. (laughs) More literal translation might be gulp. He says, I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm toast. (laughs) I'm not making it out of this one alive. Uh, It's all over. Now, Isaiah's reaction was a normal reaction. You've gotten this reaction from some of your friends when you invite them to church. (laughs) I would be struck dead if I ever stepped inside a church. (laughs) That's Isaiah's reaction, right? I, you know, I just, I just, they just start thinking, right? They just start thinking about everything in their lives. And they think, oh no, 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 like, no, no, no. And this is what Isaiah is doing. He's like, I'm dead. I'm done. I'm doomed. This is it. This is, this is the end. And really, he's just being completely honest with us about this. This was my reaction. This was my first response. When these angels come around, I'm just like, I, I, I'm, I am, I'm not fit for, to be here right now. When God shines the light of his presence into our lives, it's not to condemn us. It's to cleanse us. When God shines the light of his presence, and he is probably doing that to several of us right now, and drawing things out into his light, it's not because he wants to condemn you. It's because he wants to cleanse you. Jesus explains this to a religious leader named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Beginning in verse 16, Jesus said, For this is how God loved the world, He gave his one and only son so that everyone, would you say everyone? Who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save. Not to judge, but to save. Not to condemn, but to cleanse the world through him. 18, 
There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than the light. That that was Isaiah's message. Isaiah was stepping into the darkness, telling the people, you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to live that way. God is inviting you back. There is a better way. I'm here to shine the light of hope into a dark situation. That was Isaiah's message. People love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Verse 20. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. That's Isaiah standing there saying, I'm, I'm done. I'm toast. I'm a filthy man of filthy lips. I live among a filthy people. This is, I'm, I'm doomed. Verse 21. But those who do what is right, they, they come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. It's John chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. And I'm, I'm cranking up the wattage of God's holiness here this morning because I want every single person in this entire room this morning, I want all of, all of us to see Jesus clearer and brighter and stronger than ever before. I want you to, to, to stand to your feet or fall to your face and, and just cry out to him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you see God like never before, when God comes closer to you than never before, you will become keenly aware of areas of your life that need forgiveness. That's, that's natural. But remember, God's not doing that so he can condemn you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to draw those things out of you so he can heal you and restore you and forgive you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll realize ways that you've, you've diminished God. You've lowered God. God will show you things that need to be brought into the light. And when God shines his light into your heart, even if you feel like Isaiah for a moment, even for a moment you feel like, I'm, I'm not, just not worthy. I don't know how God could ever fix this or, or heal this or restore all of this stuff. Even if you feel like that for a moment, I'd say, bring those things out into the light. Just invite the light to go to the deepest part of your lives and say, Jesus, I have nothing here to hide. You look into the very depths of my soul and whatever you surface in my life today, I will, I will give it to you. I will invite you to forgive it, to heal it, to change it, to set me free from all of that stuff. Allow him to restore you, to forgive you, and to make you clean this morning. Amen. Oh, verse 5 again. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I just love it. So honest. So honest. I, I have filthy lips. And I live among a people with, with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah recognized his sin. Isaiah recognized his sin. I'll stick my hand in the air. I'll stand here as though I'm perfect in front of you, and he recognized the sin of the people. Okay, now this is, this is key. I see some of you raising your hands, which I love, by the way. I wasn't looking for that, but I loved it. Thank you for doing that. Some of you are like, yeah, my sin. Loved it. This is key. The cleansing of the leader and the cleansing of the people 
are critical to moving forward with the vision of God. And there it is in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, where Isaiah says, whoa, 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 I'm a sinful man, and I live among a sinful people. And what's critical here in, in all of that, what God was doing was, was the cleansing of the leader and the cleansing of the people are critical to moving forward with the vision of God. You can't, you can't do it any other way. He said, well, we're, we're going to be cute. We're going to fool God. We know better than God. You can't, you can't do it any other way. We won't see the vision of God until we receive the forgiveness of God. We won't see the vision of God until we receive the forgiveness of God. We've got to come clean before we move ahead. We're kidding ourselves if we think we can reach this city on our own ingenuity or our own strength. Quoting my good friend Brent Ingersoll from last Thursday morning at Beulah Camp, where Brent said this, he said, people aren't desperate for our ingenuity. They're desperate for incarnation. That's what they're desperate for. That's a, that's a good word. Before we pray, God, help us reach others. We need to pray, God, reach us. Reach me. Visit me before I visit someone else. Invite me in before I go out and invite others. Is it, remember, gang, listen, hear me this morning. We're not inviting people to a church. We're inviting people into a life-changing relationship of transformation with the holy, living, awesome, eternal God of the universe, Jesus Christ. We could get really cute and really smart and fill a building, but if we don't do it for Jesus, what point is that? That's, that's nonsense. It's not about attendance. It's about deliverance. Verse 7. He touched my lips. Oh, I think I've got to read 6 too. It won't make any sense. Verse 6. Then one of the giant six-winged angels flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. God doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to cleanse you. God, Burn away everything in my life. Bring your fire this morning into my life. Bring a hot, burning coal from your altar. And burn away anything and everything in my life that is not pleasing to you. Verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Like a child who knows the answer to the question or wants to volunteer, Isaiah's like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Pick. I'm the only one here. <laughs> but still he was saying, pick, pick, pick me, pick, pick me, pick me. Here I am, here I am, Lord. Here I am, here I am. Send me. Here it is. Here's your, your main point for today. If you only get one thing, this is it. 
If someone asks you, what did he preach about or what did they do in church? Forget the whole flip and flop thing. This is, this is the real truth that you need to hear this morning, okay? A deeper relationship with Jesus should create a quicker response to Jesus. A deeper relationship with Jesus should create a quicker response to Jesus. You see, if he meets you here this morning, and if he draws you in, and if he, he gives you a, a vision, a clearer vision of who he is, like you've never encountered before, a deeper relationship with him should create a quicker response to him. Check out Isaiah's readiness, the lack of hesitation. He's off the line faster than Usain Bolt, and he's wearing flip-flops. And I'm not, I'm not referring to your busyness or your activity. I mean your availability, your response time, your reaction time, your awareness to the presence of God in your life, your willingness to do anything for your Savior, the amount of grip that the world has on your life compared to being in the grip of God. See, religion without relationship is just ritual. It's dead. There's no life. There's no joy. God wants you to encounter him on such a level that you are forever changed, that you fall on your face before him, that you offer your whole life to him, that you serve him and others with greater urgency and passion and compassion because you've seen God. You've been with God. You've seen his glory. You know that there is no one like our God. Let's stand together and pray. Let's stand to our feet. Pray together. God, we want to see you. We want to know you on a deeper level than we have ever known you. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we have diminished your glory and lowered you down to our level. Help us to see how truly awesome and magnificent you really are. Reveal our sin to us. Bring it into the light your light, that all may be forgiven. Make us clean. Help us to walk in holiness before a holy God. We need a fresh encounter with Jesus today. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit in our church and in our lives. God, we don't want to just live on the fumes of the past. Give us a fresh wind and a fresh fire and a fresh glimpse into your glory today so that we can leave this place changed, renewed, and ready to say like Isaiah, here I am. Here I am, Lord, send me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer, our cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Jay is going to lead us in an extended time of worship this morning. And stay and worship as long as, as you need to. I, I wasn't joking when I said I wasn't sure how long you'd be here today. Uh, maybe I'll find out from Beulah. I'm running down to Beulah to baptize more people in the St. John River. Maybe I'll find out that people stayed here to worship all afternoon. And I'm serious when I say you might need to fall on your face. You might need to cover your eyes. I'm not telling you what to do. That's between you and the Lord. 
You might want to kneel, turn around and kneel at your seat. You might want to find a place around the auditorium where you can just, just be alone in God's presence and worship Him. This is not the time to be concerned over what to be concerned about what others might think. This is the time to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, and just quickly, before we go into our, our song, Pastor Jay, uh, I, I mentioned this from the baptismal tank, and so it'd be wrong not to do this. But is there anyone here this morning, uh, before we go any further with the service, you realize that the most important thing you need to do right now in this moment is accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you died for my sin, that you rose again, and I want to spend the rest of my life serving you. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Is there anyone here that needs to pray that prayer? And I'll, I'll pray with you, and the church will cheer. Uh, if you raise your hand right now saying, Pastor Tim, yeah, would you pray for me? You're done here. All right, awesome. Anyone else? Hands up high. Anyone else? Away in the back here. Gotcha. Great. Anyone else? Way back here. my soul to give me a fresh start today. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. I believe I'll spend eternity with you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity that I've had today to accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you for the rest of my life. I will serve you forever. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.